Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And this is Track Walking. It what's, is. What, what's up, it's, Seth? It's, it's Track Walking. <laughs> and uh, um, do we, Scott just did a thing, so he's tired. I, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm tired. I'm, I'm you're tired, not, you're I'm not, tired of you're not, Michigan. You're not fresh, though. Of. I feel like I'm not getting fresh Scott for this podcast. I'm getting used Scott. I would... <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> I can do back to backs. Um, no, it's, I just told you, it's like this weekend in Michigan, like we haven't seen the sun in what feels like a month. It just snowed like three inches today that I have to like get in and out of. I just, I have to work out in it and it's cold and I'm tired. I just want to like eat all the bad food and sleep and watch TV. That's all I want to do right now. Yeah, and like I told you, my problem is I was at the track yesterday and got sunburned. So, we've all got problems. We lead different lives, Seth. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, do you, are you really going to let me do the first in my, in my Greek Philosophers series? I, 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 for I told everybody you you had the intro to figure that out. For everybody listening, Scott has been putting me off about this for like months. I keep... To, we, to be fair, I totally forgot. <laughs> okay, every time I bring it up, you're like, oh no, I actually have a better idea for the show today. Every time. For months. You haven't I brought have it a, up that much. I have a... <laughs> oh yeah, I have. Dude, I have okay. a theory that... Um, like, like there's Greek philosophers. That's where we base a lot of um, our, our origins for modern philosophy on. These guys sat around and instead of doing empirical experiments, they sat around in their togas and they thought about stuff and they discussed stuff. We um, should bring back the toga. We should. Absolutely. And they thought about stuff and they discussed stuff and they wrote stuff down. And some of those writings survived and a lot of the, the discussions that they had survived. And so we base a lot of our Western philosophy on uh, what these guys did. And so we sit around talking and I think it's occasionally it's, it, it makes sense to go back to the roots of uh, smart dudes sitting around talking. Not that you and I are those smart dudes, but we certainly would have listened to smart dudes in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. yeah, I think, I think the main difference between us and them is like, we would have hung out in the same space, but then we would have been cool to go get a beer with afterwards. Yeah. I don't I see a, I don't see a whole lot of high level Greek philosophers um, hanging out. That's all they did. They hang out and they talked and yeah, but like not in a cool way. They like hung out. And they <laughs> I don't know. I love like, when you're like Plato's just not cool. Well, like I want to be. I need cooler friends than that. Well, for theologians, we always classified them like: Would you want to talk theology with them, and would you want to have a beer with them? And if right. the answer was yes to both, cool. Like, if you wouldn't want to talk theology with them, but you could get a beer with them, at least they were a cool hang. If you could talk theology with them, but not have a beer, then they were kind of just in their head and stuck up and blah, blah, blah. If you didn't want to do either of them, like... We shouldn't be talking about them at all. No. Right. Okay. So, so the first in, in what is going to be a long series of uh, introducing the idea that there are a, a number of Greek philosophers that definitely would have uh, driven track cars. 
Okay. Because they would they okay. would have thought that it's chariots. You know, it, chariots. Yeah, but in in modern times, these guys would have been track driving philosophers. That's okay. what they would have done. Okay. Um, we're going to start with Epicurus. Mm. Um, about three hundred BC, hung around in in Greece. Um, had his school of thought, argued with people, did all that stuff. Um, and for anybody who's listening to this and knows more than me, which is almost everybody, please go into track walking chats and correct me and tell me how wrong I am because yeah. that's all I want out of this. Seth Lemke, um, Texas, right, yeah. right into him. Tell Any me how complaints? wrong. I am. So, so Epicurus um, had was part of the school of thought, and I'm I don't remember which particular schools is, but the, the idea that, that the realist experiences we have are things that we can experience in our senses. So the things that we can know the best are the things that we experience. Okay. Um, and so he had this whole idea that we should lead the most full life we can by living a life that has rich, joyful experiences in it. Um, and we, we think of that most often today when we, when we talk about an Epicurean, we talk about somebody who loves food. Um, that's the common use for where his name gets thrown around. And the, and the reason for that is he thought sort of the highest form of, of joy in life was sitting down and having like the best meal with your buddies. And you, it is pretty good. And you'd have this amazing meal and you'd talk with your friends and you'd kind of have, you know, like a raucous evening and you'd laugh and you'd, you'd do all this stuff. And that was kind of, that was sort of the peak of existence. I get it. And, and being able to do that regularly made you a good, like, like was, that was your purpose in life, right? Experience these glorious, wonderful things. Um. But what he doesn't do is go all the way into like the hedonistic school of thought, which is like, dude, we should do that every night, like <laughs> all the time. So Epicurus was was very much, uh, you know, everything in moderation type guy. And so so between those special times, you lived a pretty basic life, you know, ate real simple rustic fare. You know, the, those times that weren't the special occasions with your buddies were were very were basic mountain mountaintop and, experiences. Yeah, and and so when you got together with everybody, it was even more special. Like you've been eating, you know, bread and olives, you know, roughly for like a week, and it's Saturday, and you're going to get together with your buddies, and you're going to eat, uh, you know, lamb and. Uh, figs and whatever it is that the Greeks ate that was awesome and and have a good conversation and and so he was a, a fan of the highs and lows idea of things so he kind of kind of in my head like I'm connecting this to church things because of who I am as a person yeah, um, do that so he's so he's kind of separating out almost in in this language would be sep, uh sacred versus the ordinary so he has these meals these mountaintop experiences these moments of profound joy and wisdom and the rest of the times are just ordinary right 
So did he, like, was he using that ordinary time to heighten the experience? Or why why not, I guess, go the hedonistic route and just um, hair the dog? Like, just wake up, start drinking again. Because anything that is constant like that loses loses its joy and specialness. And the joy and specialness is heightens the experience. Okay. And okay. and even if you did it every day, you would be chasing something more. Because we're always looking for that as, as people, we're looking for something that's a little bit more special. Def- and deferred enjoyment almost. Yeah. So we have to create those situations. You know, it's a it's a know thyself thing. Know what you love and do it just often enough that you still love it. Like driving race cars? Like driving race cars. I think. So, th- <laughs> was, so there's, was there's that two- the segue? <laughs> yeah. There, well, and, and I was hoping you, like, like anytime you want to derail me so this doesn't end up being an 18-minute podcast where I'm like, uh, Epicurus, race cars, boom, done. done. Nailed it. Um, nailed it. So, so there, there's two things here. I, I think that when you were a Greek philosopher and you were like, yeah, eating, like eating a good meal with my buddies is the best thing in the world. Not that that doesn't have the same value today, but we have, um, we have race cars and, and race cars are one of those experiences that I think for most of us that do that are, are on that same scale of I'm, I'm going to get together with my friends and I'm going to race cars and I'm going to experience these things with my body. Like these are the most real things that I can feel. I can feel, I can, I can hear it. I can see things and I can feel the G forces and, you know, I can, it tries to suck me out of my seat under braking and, and all of those things that are, that are way outside the ordinary um, and are exciting. And, and those experiences um, are a heightened sense of everything and a heightened sense of joy in our life. And um, doing that with our friends makes it even better. So my next question would be, you know, when you sit down at a big table with your buddies, you can cheers each other, you can slap each other on the back, you can poke fun, you can ask questions, you can do all this stuff. On a racetrack, best case scenario, you all are out on track at the same time in a race where you can't really see each other, you can't physically interact, hopefully, <laughs> um, even if you're on a motorcycle. Um, it feels like there's still like a barrier in between individuals in that shared experience. There is, but my argument being you're, you're putting, you're putting the act of racing a car as a, is a, a fundamentally solitary experience, even when you're doing it with your friends. Right. Yeah. And I would say, so is eating. You're the only one who gets to eat that cheeseburger. And you can enjoy that cheeseburger and the guy next to you can enjoy his cheeseburger, but you're still doing it alone. But it almost feels to me that like, 
<laughs> I, I get what you're saying, but it feels like you guys are eating at separate tables too, though. It's like you you may have like like all the people in a race is every is t- one person per table throughout the entire restaurant, and you all are eating the same thing, but with a different attitude and at different speeds and in different ways. And then afterwards, you all meet at the bar to discuss. The experience you just had? Are you suggesting that I didn't make a perfect analogy? Is that what we're here? No, I'm just. Is that what I'm hearing? I'm just pointing out the. Yeah, no. So it's it's different, but I I think I think Epicurus would have, and a bunch of the Greek philosophers would have, agreed that that um, something like racing cars is is one of those glorious physical activities that that brings value to your life. Um, and that in itself makes it a worthwhile task because, because those things that we experience and find joy in are worthwhile because of the experience and because of the joy. And their argument was like, that's what life is. Life is a series of, of seeking out those glorious moments and in the happiness in those moments and the friends associated with those moments. And if you can do that, then you've lived a good life. And the Greeks were big on trying to figure out how to live a good life, right? That was the whole thing with their philosophy is, you know, like, what can I do to be, to be a good person and live a good life? Um, And they came at it from different ways. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that, and some of them anyway, you know, the, what I find the more interesting question to be is not, how do I get to where I want to go after I die rather than is life possible before death? Right. Um, you know, what can we do now? What is now? Um, and I think, I guess in my nitpicky illustration i think what's vital to that and i think what the one lap and grid life really bring to this equation is the post and pre-race community is like sure you get to drive on track with buddies but afterwards you do hang out you do have some good food you do have some good beverages if that's your thing and then you talk about things, uh, not only about racing, but like what's been going on. Um, it's it's that mix. It's the paddock vibe that uh, maybe that's maybe the paddock vibe is the new uh, Greek. Oh, where did they gather the Pantheon and like all that stuff. Yeah, there's schools. There's a name for the schools. Yeah, I can't remember. And you just totally blanked my mind by saying it out loud. Yeah, sure. Blame blame me for your problems. Sounds like a you problem. Yeah, no, this but... is just my complete lack of preparation here. So, <laughs> But yeah, I think that's, you know, like go forth, have experiences, then let's come back together and talk about it. And share them. Yeah, share like, them. Like have experiences worth sharing and have them in such a way that, that they can be shared with, with other people that find value in them. So here's a question I bet you didn't prep for. Okay. I'm playing Seth, the role of Seth Lemke tonight. What would you call an experience worth having? 
an experience worth having yes would be any experience that brings you joy that uh-huh. doesn't harm others i was literally about to ask you about that okay so so say that one more time an experience worth having is an experience that brings you joy okay that doesn't harm others doesn't harm others makes sense. So what is joy to yourself? What does it mean to bring joy well, to yourself? Well, there's there's different ways to look at that. I mean, from like philosophically and practically, like there's there's like a pure euphoric joy, like the whole uh, um have you ever jumped off a bridge into water? Um, not a bridge. I'm the, the whole heights thing. I'm not really down for. Well, even if you hate it, it's, it's has the same, it's same kind of effect. Sure. Um, but there, there's that, there's that thing where you're, maybe the heights does it. If you jump off a bridge into water, get yourself 30 feet up or something, jump into water that you know is safe. The first time and the first couple times you do it there, your mind is like blanked. Because, like, you're doing something that's scary. You're going to die. You're going to die. It's genuinely scary. And it's not the act of jumping that's euphoric. It's the act of surviving it. Yeah, totally. Um, And, and in those moments where you have, have done, like, a physical task that has brought your body to you know, uh, that, that measure of focus, that, that pinpoint of focus. Sure. And then come back out the other side. Um, I think that's, that's the basic, uh, the, the basic euphoric joy of any activity. And I think we find that on track when we go fast for us. Um, it, and that's not really a lap time thing. That's a perception thing. Um, because fast for you when you were starting, like like a like an exciting euphoric lap when you're starting track stuff, is not the same as as a pro racer's really really good lap. Sure. Um, so we have those experiences individually. Um, so that's that's your basic euphoric joy thing, right? I think that's like that's a that's a very animal experience. Yeah, and I think. It's something I think we've touched on before, but I think in this conversation is worth bringing up is you know the difference between happiness and joy, right? Um, you know, jumping off a bridge, driving a race car, um, skiing, uh, writing a novel, like what whatever it is that you're doing that you do here, um, it's not all good. Like it's not just all positives that enjoy. There has to be some struggle. There has to be some challenge to a it. Risk. A risk. Yeah. And go. And it's different for everybody, right? Like, like my, like you say, you don't like heights. So for you, there may be no real joy in jumping off a bridge. Um, I don't like, well, I could go into why I don't like heights either, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, but somebody who's, you know, there, there's people who their joy comes from, you know, hang gliding and, and activities where 
I'm not going to participate. Like, I'm going to look at the thing that you do. And I'm going to be like, cool, you do you. I will find my joy somewhere else. Right. Um, and so it, it's a very personal thing. And I think accepting the fact that everybody finds joy in their own way is difficult for some people. Um, it's certainly been difficult for me in the past, even in reference to, to driving cars on track. Um, for a long time, it was strange to me that I lived in a city that had like, you know, three and a half million people in it. And there'd be like 60 guys to show up to autocross. Yeah. Um, how could that be? How could that few people want to experience something so amazing? Accessibility. Knowledge, yeah, some of, knowledge it even exists. Right. But people, some people show up and do it and don't come back again. True. They, you know, I, I think, and it took me a long time to realize that, that everybody is searching for their own joy in their own way. At least hopefully they are. Um, and they're not just, just surviving in life. Um, hopefully you've got enough mental bandwidth, enough energy that you can seek out joy um, in a way that you know and understand. Um, something I hope for everybody that they can be, you know, have that be an aspect of them. And I think basically anyone who listens to this show has their own thing, right? Associated with cars or bikes or something yep. where they go try to find joy in life. Um, I, I keep coming back to it, which is probably going to end up being the title, but a task, was it a worthwhile task or a task worth doing? Yeah. And that, and this, you know, I guess to bring up part of my, my past and part of the baggage that I'm joyfully carrying at this point is cars are a, cars and driving are a lower form of enjoyment or lower form of what you could be doing with your time that they're just cars it's it's unimportant compared to service or compared to helping others or being with others in more important ways things like that and um it was really the hobby and the, you know, the desire of mine to like like cars. Is it? It got beat down in me for years, and you know, it never went away. Obviously, because here I am, <laughs> right? <laughs> talking. If like, you could make it go away, yeah. In in my spare time, talking about cars for a podcast, um, and, but I I think the the real thing that maybe Epicurious would would talk about is it's not cars are the vessel. Right. Like riding horses is a vessel. Skiing is a vessel. Riding is a vessel. Speaking is a vessel. But for what? Um, is it for living a better, more full, healthy life? I'd like to think so. Is it 
to... But we, that's what we should be doing. We should be... I mean, once we've yeah. met our basic needs... Um, sure. And, and admitting that not everybody is meeting their basic needs. People have like genuine struggles out there that, yes. that don't involve race cars. And many who do involve race cars and still right. don't. But but once we've met our basic needs, you know the like the the Greek philosophers would have said our energy needs to be put toward being the better version of ourselves, being the the fullest version of ourselves, um, and finding a way to do that. And that's why you had different schools of philosophical thought because different people thought you accomplished if you want to call that accomplishing a task, they accomplished that task in a different way. Um, and they argued about it. They, they yeah. sat around their schools and they argued about whether or not doing things was like this was the right way, was the valuable way or whether or not they were completely, you know, they were wasting their time. Yeah. And I think, I think that's part of what I experienced is I was being evaluated and judged on a scale that, the things I was interested in and was passionate about was less worthy, was less important than other things that I could be doing. And while on some scales that might have been true, the I liked cars. I, <laughs> you know, I, and it's, and these other things were f- good worthwhile things that you should absolutely try to do but to say this and not that one just serves to make you want it more it's 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 really not a good thing we should talk about um the role the real role of a chaperone sometime that make a good episode yeah um but like just elevating anything to show its value and worthiness and ability to bring people joy, like you said, based on does it bring joy? And I think in joy is health, struggle, growth, development, kind of all of that under joy and do not uh doesn't harm others that can be so much so many things out there and to say this not that um it's not for you to say for somebody else that's a hard thing to learn especially in a society that's as judgy as i mean i guess we've always been always been judgy but we certainly are right now we we ascribe value to and bigger meg- megaphones right now. Yeah, big meg. Yeah, who's got the bigger megaphone and who's got who's got the best value structure? I mean, we've got a podcast, so what is up? <laughs> yeah, we got a, We definitely have a, a moderate sized megaphone. We're here. We are the only people with a podcast too. Did you know that? I know. I heard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> especially but, the, the only one with two white dudes. Right. Um, but but yeah that's the, the it it's hard to to step back and and not make judgments on other people's joy and it's really easy to go people shouldn't judge my joy people shouldn't judge the fact that 
that I ride around tiny motorcycles for fun. Like that's my thing. That's what I love. I love that movement. I love everything about it. And and so the fact that it happens should be enough. Yep. But, you know, am I going to go there? <laughs> the things I judge about other people could fill a book. Um, oh, yeah. So I, I don't even know where to start. But let's just say I'm, I can I can be a judgy guy. Sure. Gosh dang it. Um, and, and so that's the hard part is is stepping out of my own shoes and going, you know, maybe the thing you like is uh, kayaking. And I can't believe that you would rather take a kayak out on a lake and paddle in circles and then put it back on your car. Yeah. Yeah, really put then, the straw man argument on whatever they're doing. Yeah. And, well, and you're, flo- like, so you're floating in a piece of plastic using a, a two by four to get yourself around. Like, right. You're just like, flap, 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 flap. And you went back to your car and like, you feel fulfilled. Really? Yeah. Well, and we see this, we see this even in the car community. Oh yeah, we definitely do. We, if you hear in the paddock about how racers talk about drifters. I was going to, I was just going to say the, the drifter eye roll. Right. Drifters. Right. (laughs) Um, or you, you hear even the the difference between people in HPDE and people in competitive sports that somehow like doing HPDE is less than being competitive at it. Right. You don't you don't race cars until you do wheel to wheel. Yeah. Right. Like it's a, and then of course you've got time attack versus wheel to wheel racing. Um, you've got as a recent a recent guest says I don't race clocks. Yeah, <laughs> I race people. Um, you've got rally and off-road. You've got endurance. You've got tiny motorcycles. You've got big motorcycles. You've got off-road motorcycles. Um, you've got show cars. Cars that like are built to literally sit there and look good. Never run. There's some of them that... Yeah. And... And again, like after a conversation with fellow GLTC or a few episodes could tell, like there are lessons racers can learn from right. show car guys. And I actually got a question. Like somebody was like, oh, I don't know about that. I'm like, you should listen to the episode. <laughs> um, but it's like, it again, like if that's what fulfills them and challenges them and like helps them to grow and develop as a human being and it's not hurting anybody else and actually may inspire some people to go have fun and do what they want to do. Like how is that not good for them and the community around them? Yeah. It raises the show, net happiness. In show the car world. people are people too, Seth. I know they are. I mean, I haven't known a whole lot of them, but it's a thing. Um, no, and and my admittedly, my experience around it has been like you know, fifty-eight year old dudes who who uh, drive their Chevelle and they park it in a field next to other Chevelles and they set up their lawn chair by their Chevelle, and then they talk to each other about their Chevelles. You've got the hydraulic and, competition. Like, if we want to, like, get well, yeah, but that's just cool. It is. <laughs> We've got the sound demonstration, sound competition. 
Right. I mean, there's all sorts of offshoots of just this one weird thing that we all share, which are cars. But again, like cars are the vessel. It's not about the cars. And Jesus, how many times do we have to say that on the podcast? But really, it's not about the cars. But but doing any of it alone, like just like building building a hydraulic bouncer just by yourself so that you can see how high it can bounce by yourself. Bouncer, really has no is that meaning. what they're called? Yeah, I, uh, probably not. They, they're, they're, right. they, did, they did the, the bouncing competitions. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> they're cool. Like those competitions are, are terrifying. Like you have cars jumping off the ground. I'm like, it's going to crash and kill yeah. somebody. It's like a 3,000 pound car and it's jumping. Yeah. They're fascinating. Yeah. But, but doing that by yourself doesn't have the same meaning as 200 people standing in a circle cheering as this car bounces itself to death. Yep. Um, and maybe it's that, maybe it's at the same thing. Maybe that's, that's what Adam and Chris really have going on with grid life is that, is that people driving around a track and then going back to the paddock and hanging out is fantastic. People going to the track and driving in circles and going back to the paddock will 5,000 people watch them is maybe more. I mean, maybe we're doing the same thing that we would be doing anyway. And we're creating larger joy for people whose, whose joy comes from going and watching and, and, and being there and experiencing it and, and listening to the cars and watching them slide sideways and, and doing all of those things. I know drift events, like like a drift event where you have people cheering is so much better than just like yes. eight guys sliding around a parking lot. Yes, it's true. Um, and the guys in the car will tell you it's better. And the guys watching will tell you it's better. And everybody involved thinks it's better. Well, and that's, um, and that's something we can probably... I think we could probably slide under the joy definition of like doing something that brings you joy. I think community is a vital part of joy. Yeah. Um, you know, I've there's there's kind of I'm I'm gonna call it juvenile way of thinking that you know do what you like to do, don't care about what other people think, and it's course we care what other people think because we, we'll be, we we want to be with other people right now people are jerks and i want to punch people in the face sometimes seth not you well most, i'm most, most like 1300 miles away so i feel comfortable right <laughs> yeah, now swing swing away <laughs> um but i mean it's even if it's like the one or two people that you can stand like they're still that's a community. Like even if right. it's your 30 or 40 people, um, maybe that's your community. There's an interesting thing, brief aside that, um, it's a study done years ago. I want to say like 20, 25 years ago now of, um, that scientists, sociologists believe that there's a, f- uh, relatively fixed number of people that we can, call friends and like interact with on a regular basis. Right. 
And I number was like in the low twenties actually. Yeah. Which to be, to be honest, even for me, that seems like a lot, uh, but, um, yeah. And then you get to the, that's like the social circle and you get to the village right. size. And so there's a certain yeah. number of people that are your friends and there's a certain number of people that you're capable of knowing. Sure. Which is like between somewhere between like 60 and a hundred. Sure. And then anything beyond that becomes white noise. Yep. So joy, we can call, has to involve struggle, has to be challenging, has to provide the opportunity for growth and development, and involve other people and not harming them is like the second part of that. Yeah, and I think uh, Epicurus would have said the same thing, like that. Those were his. Those were his get-togethers, right? Those were, you know, you had you had that growth because his get-togethers were all about like 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 an intellectual challenge, right? It was it was it was about the talking. It was about enjoyment in the moment. Um, it was about these these wonderful foods and wines. And your friends and and all of those elements, I think, were in place. And those were the things that that he he had that whole school of thought that that this is what makes this is a life well lived is is participating in these activities in this life and then having those times off where you are. Sure. So you can have your you know you can have ups and downs and in, in the the regular times, the times we're not driving race cars, the times we're struggling away from the track makes those days at the track better. Track hangovers. Yeah. Track hangovers. Like, like you, you have to have, you have to have a track hangover. So you want to go back. And that's been something I've, I've seen more and more kind of every season in the paddock is kind of more, I don't want to say elaborate, but I guess more thought out meals that people will come to the track with. And some people don't drive. They just come with a driver and kind of help crew, but like they're cooking. Like that's, that's their thing for the weekend. And a bunch of people pitching drinks and they bring nice stuff to share. Um, and again, like the point isn't how well you can cook your food or how old your whiskey is that you offer other people. Like those are the tools by which you can, the backdrop where you can get to know people and share these experiences with them that will be memorable and life-changing. Life. Not even just life changing, but like like that's the process of, of making today good. Which yeah, life affirming. That's the that's okay. that's where I wanted to go with that. I gotcha. Um, because that's making life good. It's making you good. It's making this time that you spend alive uh, worthwhile in the sense that that you have that joy, that you've brought happiness to yourself and others. That it was a life worth living. I think that's good. That's good. This is Let's keep it everybody. Short. This is this is the first 
This is the first, first. in our Greek philosophers part. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll have more. I enjoyed this. It was good. See, Seth, I can let you have yeah. nice things. <laughs> yeah. Um, we are at Track Walking Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Track Walking Chats is the Facebook group. Like, rate, review us. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform, Google Play, whatever platform you use, it does help people find the podcast. And uh, we want to be found because we don't like playing hide-and-go-seek forever. We like listeners. We like you. We do, in general. People ain't so bad all the time. So, we'll talk to you next week. But until then, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. This is Track Walking. Take care.